Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 110 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we are going to be joined by Chris Lafferty, the NASCAR driver slash rock star. We'll uh, get uh, his uh, uh, thoughts on everything that's going on in the world of motorsports and catch up with him since the last time we talked. Uh, it's been a minute since we he last came on as he makes his return to the show. We'll talk to Chris and He'll join us coming up in a little while from right now. Plus, we will have our news and notes as well as our Ask David segment coming up at the end of the show where uh, you guys can submit your questions to us. Uh, David, out this week uh, with a prior obligation with a Connectus, uh, a, a great partner of his, and and uh, out in Vegas this week. And uh, before I bring in Dominic, we'll uh, bring in the fill-in. Uh, we go to the bullpen. Uh, and welcome in the Josh Berry of Let's Go Racing. That's uh, John Haverlin of uh, the Circuit Journal. He joins us right now. John, welcome. Uh, I I'll be nice. Uh, glad to have you here, my guy. Thanks for uh, stepping in this week. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I don't know if I'm as successful and cool as uh, Josh Berry, but, you know, I'll give it my best shot filling in again this week. I know I've been on the show, I don't know, one or two times before at least, so... Yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, and you're a regular bit. listener to this show. Yeah, I was listening. Uh, I was when I was working during the week. I was listening to the to the episode with Lynn St. James, and uh, you know, she had some interesting stories. I I texted you guys with, about some of the things she was saying uh, a couple days ago, and yeah, um, I listen. I, I try to I try to stay up to date with all the podcasts about racing and stuff, and that includes you guys as well. Well, we appreciate that, John. Uh, Dominic Alargon from the RacingExperts.com is here as well with us, as always. Dom, uh, I'm glad we invited John and he could uh, fill in and, and be here with us this week. But let's get to the uh, business of the day with uh, Martin Truex Jr. breaking that winless streak, getting the win at Dover. Long time coming for Martin Truex in you know, with, with his winless streak, it wasn't like he had been running bad in that stretch. He just hadn't been running at his his best and they seem to really uh figure something out james small with a great call there going two tires to the end of that race on monday and when you think about 54 races tyler without a win just doesn't sound right it's martin Truex jr he had been in the prime of his career over the last few years joe, joe gibbs racing multiple wins and goes winless in 2022 but when they won at that clash race in early february he had said they're racing pissed off they're racing with this different type of motivation they, Tyler, when they missed the playoffs last year, we're talking the sixth fastest car the entire regular season, or at least the sixth best car as far as points and stage wins. A lot of coulda, woulda, shouldas. And, and he addressed that topic in his winner's press conference yesterday that they've always felt like they could win. And they had a lot of good things on the table and just couldn't close out races. And gosh, a few weeks ago, it sounded like him and James Small were heading towards a dead end with what happened with the Richmond meltdown. But Good to see that number 19 car back in victory lane, 32nd career win. That ties him with Dale Jarrett and Joey Logano, 27th all-time on the NASCAR wins list. Those are some great names right there, all former Gibbs racing guys at one point or another. And Tyler, Coach said too, Coach Gibbs said in his press conference too, that this gives them a little bit more leverage to, to try and bring Martin Truex back into the fold next year. Because we know Truex is good through this year. What about next year? Certainly, this has to help those talks and make it a little easier. You think winning makes things a little easier. 
Yeah, uh, it does. Uh, I, I would be surprised if Martin's not back next year. But uh, I was thinking about this, John. You know, you look at uh, you know Martin get that win and ending that winless streak. It feels like that there's been a lot of pressure on James Small ever since he took over all the way back to the days when uh, Cole Pern was around. And, you know, there was a drop-off of some sorts. And with him going through this winless streak and questions about Martin's future and everything, I feel like, you know, we talk a lot about Martin here. But I think this is a breakthrough for that 19 team and for, for James Small in particular, for them to – uh, be a force to be reckoned with here for this championship, a breakthrough for everybody involved in that camp. Yeah, so I agree with you, Tyler. I would also part of that equation would be just the introduction of the next-gen car. Um, it just kind of feels like they didn't figure it out as fast as everyone else did last year. Um, you know, we saw Christopher Bell win some races. We saw Denny Hamlin win some races. Kyle Busch, I mean, granted, he had one win, not as – Greatest year by any means last year, but uh, Truex just to finally break through, I, I think it just maybe took a little bit longer for them to figure out the next gen car. When they were racing Gen 6, and you know, back in his furniture row days and even his first couple of years with JGR, it felt like he was always like right on it. But um, yeah, he finally broke through, and it'll be interesting to see if he does race next year. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, silly season debate to come for sure from that. Yeah. Definitely so. Uh, before we bring in Chris, uh, we got to talk about Ross Chastain here. Uh, Dominic, I'll start with you. Ross didn't need to happen. There was no need to move Brennan Poole out of the way there. Brennan was very upset. Um, you know, once or twice, you know, things happen. But I think after a while, as many times we've seen this now, it, it's, a, it's a true problem that Ross has his on his hands here and, and making his competitors pissed off. Um, what what do you make of uh, where Ross is at in this uh, this whole situation? Uh, do, do you think that it gets better before it gets worse, or is there going to be more run-ins in Ross's near future here? It seems like it's a 2022 part two with Ross Chastain. And, Tyler, you know it's bad when the broadcast is talking about it and having their thanks Ross moments. And it seems like that's going to be a weekly thing, kind of like the come on, man, Monday Night Football. That's what I think. Like, really, we're running into problems every week. And especially with Brandon Poole and Rick Ware racing and not even racing for a position, a car that was a lap down. And granted, could the 15 car give him more room? Probably not, given that situation. But too early in the race to be racing like that. But then again, Ross Chastain, he's one of the most aggressive guys out in the field. And he's paid to, to run as fast as he can and finish as high as he can, and nothing's going to stand in his way, not even Rick Ware racing lap-down cars. Yeah. Um, John, where do you think uh, Ross Chastain goes from here? Uh, I imagine karma's going to pay him back at some point. Yeah, you would think so, uh, right? I don't know. I remember watching him during the Talladega race, just kind of thinking in my head, I think he was behind, I think he was behind Chase Elliott, and uh, Chase Elliott was on the front row. Chastain was in the second row. And I see Chastain kind of bump drafting Chase Elliott. And, like, I got nervous just watching that. I was like, oh, boy, you know, he could be playing with fire. If he just taps him the wrong way, we can see a 20-car rack or something. It's just I feel like I get nervous watching him race because, <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's been in a lot of accidents. He seems to push a little harder than what is needed. I don't know if that's, like, a depth perception issue with his eyes or – not to, I don't want to criticize his uh, his ability to drive a race car. He's obviously very good at it. It just feels like he's 
making the same mistakes and I don't I don't know there's some sort of mental block with him he's fast yeah. he's gonna win more races it's just he's doing things that just aren't really necessary and he's the point leader right now too uh among all Weird. things amazing how that works yeah. Dom uh Chris tell us about him and uh reintroduce him to our audience as he makes his uh second appearance on the show so Chris was on the show a little more than a year ago, and you might remember from the last show, or if this is your first time listening, Chris has done a little bit of everything, from racing in the NASCAR Truck Series to hosting a TV show with the late, great Sam Bass to going on tour with some rock bands that you're familiar with. And Tyler, I had to pull out a good rock-appropriate shirt for today's show because it's only fitting. We were thinking of who we're going to get once David told us he wouldn't be able to make it. Who would be very interesting? Who could fill in some gaps, and have some great insight and good stories to tell. We couldn't think of other than Chris, and thank you so much for coming back. I can't believe it's been a year since you've been here with us. Yeah, you know, guys, it, it's been a year. Um, I am the most interesting person that I know. I'm also <laughs> the only person that I know. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with my hands. I'm just going to keep it in my lap. Um, hey, man, I, you know, I, I was sitting here listening to you guys talk about Ross Chastain, and I'm like, I'm like man, you know, I've got an unpopular opinion about this guy. And, and you know, so, something to consider is this, is, is, you know, this guy was raised on watermelons his whole life. And, and you know, so, you know, he may not be right in the head, but here's what we got to consider. You know, this guy was not, it, it's not like he, when he came into the sport, everybody looked at him and went, oh, Ross Chastain, he's the next great thing. This guy has just taken every opportunity, and I think he has gone into it with the mentality of, hey, this could be my last race. And, and we've all seen, I mean, look, when you hear about a driver who's getting ready to lose his ride, um, they miraculously start running better. And so I think that's part of the mentality that Ross may have is, is look, every race could be his last. And now I got to be honest with you, I haven't watched him barely at all this year I, I watched some of the stuff that happened in Dover and I'll say this you know uh the, the TV makes it look definitely easier than it is you know I don't remember seeing that well at Dover much less you know looking at the, the speed that you carry you've got split decision uh or split seconds to make these decisions and I, I looked at that that uh, wreck that he had with pool and man I, I'm telling you I'm, I'm seeing a guy that is just hungry for victories you know that's yeah. a good way to put it. And, and Tyler, I wonder if he races like that too, because this was a guy that had a really top Xfinity ride go away overnight because the sponsor could not fulfill their obligations. So yeah, you know, it's a unique point that Chris brings up here of, you know, Ross's driving style of, of resembling that to uh, to an extent. And, and he is a young guy too, you know. I mean, uh, I, I think that's part of it as well. But – Chris, uh, here, here's what I wonder as far as that raw situation. W when is the point when things settle down or if he'll ever settle down? Is it, it, it does it happen over time? Is it going to have to get his ass kicked? I mean, like, what is it you think that, that has to get Ross's attention or, or do you think this is just who he is? Well, I, I'll say this, you know, I mean, think about this. When Jeff Gordon was driving in the, the Bush series then, you know, he's driving for Bill Davis Racing, Jeff Gordon wrecked everything under the sun and is now regarded as one of the greatest drivers in NASCAR history. So, you know, 
I would say, yeah. I mean, you know, Ross might want to take some fighting lessons from the, the great David Starr. Um, and, and he might have to utilize some of them fighting lessons. But look, kudos to the guy driving as if his job depends on it. And, and you know, again, that, that Dover wreck, man, I, I have a hard time faulting him because he, he's just split-second decisions. Um, you know, maybe he knew it was a lap-down car, maybe he didn't. Uh, look, I've, I've wrecked people when I was racing. I thought it was my fault. Later looked at the video, and I'm like, man, you know, I, it's hard for me to fault his decision making. Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from there, uh, as far as that goes with Ross and and you know now I, I look at this. I wonder, Chris, do we see Ross with like a a target on his back of some sorts of having these enemies out there, point leader and everything? Uh, I, I would think that these guys are are going to race him. You know, we, we talk about give and take all the time. There's going to be no give any, at some point, right? It's going to be all take with Ross, not leaving him any room, racing him harder than anybody. That's part of the deal, you know? I mean, you know, you, you got to think about this, you know. Uh, you know, you, you were talking about Martin Truex Jr. Uh, Martin Truex was absolutely, uh, at one point in his career in Cup, was on the cusp of being out of racing altogether. You know, when he was with yeah. Michael Waltrip, it didn't look good. And so it's one of those things where, look, I would rather have to fight every week and be the point leader than be sitting at home wondering, hey, should I have taken that risk? Should I have taken that chance? And, uh, you know, it, uh, again, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, guys like, and I'm a huge Kyle Larson fan, for instance. I'm a huge Kyle Busch fan. But you look at how these guys got into the sport, uh, Kyle Larson – uh, who I who I think is one of the greatest drivers in the sport has never sat in junk. Uh, Kyle Busch, one of the greatest drivers in the sport, has never sat in junk. Uh, Joey Logano, again, one of the greatest drivers in the sport, has never sat in junk. Ross Chastain came into this sport driving race cars that that might should not have been able to qualify for races. So so this guy is kicking, screaming, and clawing for every position and. Uh, Kudos to him. Yeah, I think you're you're right. You make some good points there for sure. Chris, uh, back to you, and uh, we'll talk plenty more racing and what's going on in the uh, the Cup Series uh, later on in our news and notes. But circling it back to you, since we last talked in the uh, last year, what's been going on in uh, in your world and your life? Where all of you you've been since uh, our last conversation? Well, man, I, I, I got to tell you guys this, you know, I, I, I thank you for having me on uh, last year. You know, it, it definitely uh, there was a, a spark for me in racing that I was like, man, I, I wish it could come back. And you guys have, have set that spark in motion, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, looking at looking at different opportunities to come back racing, nothing to announce anything like that. Um, you know, my my focus has been on on the music side of my career. You know, we're we're soon to be releasing my country album, which I'm very excited about that. And I've been out touring with with a bunch of different uh, rock bands and different bands of sorts. You know, my my business with my daughter is a tour bus business, and so we've been out touring and taking care of uh, these baby bratty rock stars. That's awesome. Last time you were on the show too, you were on a tour bus. 
I think it was between a saliva and somebody else's set list. And you took the time to come do the show with us. And you could, you could just tell that excitement you had in the voice about the music business. You were in Nashville, I believe. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I was, I was actually, I, I remember this like it was yesterday, you know, I was out with, uh, with the band, the music of cream, which is, uh, you know, a tribute of the, the Eric Clapton and, and, uh, um, uh, Baker's uh, a band way back in the day, and it's all their their family members that, that have uh, started this band. I've since been out with uh, my good friend Saliva, which I tour with them a lot. You know, uh, I had the opportunity to go out with the, the great band Three Dog Night, which uh, is uh, you know the the rock band royalties and, and just such great guys. So you know, in the midst of touring with different bands that that I'm a fan of and uh, now can call some of these guys my friends, you know, it's, it's been it's been interesting to say the least. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and and I'm curious, uh, Chris, uh, with, with as much music you're around and everything, what uh, what all you listen to? Just whether it's on a drive or in your downtime, what would be on Chris Laverty's Spotify playlist? You know, it's it's funny you say that because as I find myself on the tour bus late night going down the road, you know, all the guys know that uh, I take that that's my time to sing and sing sing my my heart out. And my playlist is is very very wide range, everything from Travis Tritt and uh, Chris Cornell to okay. Nirvana. And the guys that I'm on tour with, you know, I, I love I love my saliva songs. I love my, um, you know, all the classic and new country and old country. Anything that I can sing to is a song for me. I love it. I, I have to ask you just because I'm wearing the shirt. Do you have any of these guys on your set list? And if you do, what songs or albums, et cetera? You know, I I don't I I don't have any currently. I don't have any cars. I've been working on. Uh, you know, I I use my set list as my time to uh, to practice singing. You know, and so I try to take I try to take artists that um, that I like to sing to that challenges my vocal range and and takes me to places that I can't get to. You know, and so it's like. Uh, I'll, I'll take like the the shine downs, you know. His vocal range is is out of this world, you know. The the Aerosmiths, uh, even some of the Beatles songs. I'm you know you know I'm a, I'm a huge Beatles fan, and so it's like uh, I'm really if it's catchy, I'll sing it, I'll play it. I I just love music, you know. And that's circling back to you know you'd mentioned my my connection with Sam Bass. That's what really solidified our friendship is. We could forget about racing and just sit and talk about music all day long. And that was great. And there's some great, great friendships that can be forged over music. Just before we were coming on air, Tyler and I were, were talking about just getting the chance to jam a few times and just go out in the garage and, hey, what do you know by this band? Or what do you know by this band? And John Haverlin, the same thing, had the chance to, to jam out with him over Easter weekend a few weeks ago. And uh, I know my parents are listening. Dad, you're an awesome guitarist, but John... Might be the best guitarist I've ever played with to this point, man. There's something about shredding on a guitar that you have. You just tell John, hey, do you know something about so-and-so? And there he is, note for note, playing the solo to all the songs and stuff. I didn't know John was a guitarist. Oh, he's one heck of a guitarist, Tyler. Oh, man. I, John. So, man. This, is, this is a good time to have uh, have Chris on because, Chris, I, I didn't know this going into tonight, 
that we have four musicians among our uh, four on the uh, the show tonight. So Is that why I was asked to come on, Dom. I was I was asked uh, <laughs> very short notice this morning at about seven o'clock in the morning. Hey, you want to come on the podcast? And I was like, Yeah, sure. You know, that's me taking the role of scatterbrain and not messaging you earlier in the week. David gave us <laughs> more heads up than I gave you, so that's on me. But no, it's, it's a strange coincidence, but it's a great one too because again, the bond of music and just. Being able to talk about music or being able to play it, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, so Chris, who all have you, you know, we mentioned just jamming and just enjoying yourselves here. Who, who all have you enjoyed just sitting around, uh, you know, <clears throat> playing some music or singing some songs or whatever, whether it's, uh, you know, some someone big in the music industry or maybe if it's a, a celebrity or whoever it may be, who, who do you enjoy just sitting back and, and, and kicking it with in that type of setting? Well, you, you know, that's actually a, it's actually a very intimidating question because a lot of the guys that, that I'm fortunate enough to be around are just leaps and bounds uh, uh, out of my league of ability, you know, and, and uh, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to sit in BS with, with Travis Trick, who I'm a, a huge fan of Travis. Now I've never toured with him, uh, but he's also was a close fan, a uh, friend of Sam Bass's. And, you know, so we connected over that. Uh, Great day to be alive. On tour. Absolutely. Absolutely. More recently, I've toured with uh, the great Phil X, who's uh, Bon Jovi's Love guitarist. Uh, Ooh, I'm jealous. Extraordinary. You know, th this guy picks up a guitar and it's just like, uh, it's wizardry, you know? And then, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I, I wore my Fender, my Fender shirt because uh, I get to routinely tour with the the great Mozart of the guitar, Ingve uh, Malmsteen, who wow. uh, guitarist. He's the god of guitar gods, and and uh, you know, calling this guy a perfectionist is an absolute understatement. Um, you know, guys like that are just on such different levels uh, that that. You know, guys like me, I'm just like a hack compared to those guys, and so it's it's really neat to it's really neat to be you know around that type of greatness and to see those guys in their craft. And then you know, I, I have to mention my my really good friend who recently passed away with with my saliva guys, Wayne Swinney, who uh, you know he was with the saliva gang since the beginning, twenty years. I'll say this. You know, this guy had the most soul and most stage presence of, of any gu guitarist that I've ever been around. And uh, you talk about a guy that could command a stage like no other. And, uh, you know, I, I just look at how temporary things in life are. And, uh, you know, any chance that you get to be around unicorns like that, it is, man, it's just such an honor, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, Chris, I got a question for you, actually, if we got time here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So you mentioned Phil X. I'm just curious. I want to pick your brain a little bit here. Now, when I was in high school and I was studying guitar and Great. all that, I would watch like his videos on YouTube. He was doing uh, he was always playing on vintage guitars for this uh, music museum called Fred Americana. And I was wondering if you'd ever watched any of those videos. And um I just I know I remember a couple of years ago my <laughs> my mother went to see a Bon Jovi concert but Rich, Richie Sambora wasn't with the band and the substitute guitarist that night was actually Phil X so I've always been a little interested in in following him and I just want to know more about your relationship or experience with him 
Well, first and foremost, I'm going to say this. This this black case right here that says Gibson on it, don't ask me about that. All right? I got to ask you about it now. Yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> ask me about it. All right. So, so let's talk about Phil X for a second. You know, um, so I've I've naturally watched some of his videos, you know, get, getting close with him, uh, seeing some of his stuff. He he has he has shared some of his own music with me, um, including a, a song that he did with the late great Chris Cornell. Um, now you had mentioned Richie Zambora, and as Richie Zambora was was wanting to get off the road, that that's when Phil X came in and basically took Richie's spot. Now right. it was it was um a um, what's the word? Amicable? What's the? How's that word when everybody's happy about it? You know, Richie. Right. Amicable. Off. Yeah. That word. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I'm not an English major. You know. Uh, but so. So. You know. Phil came into Bon Jovi. Uh, you know, he's been with them for for nearly a decade, and you know, I will say this for a guy that stands on stage with. Bon Jovi, you know, at these big sold out stadiums, this guy is the most down to earth, cool guy, you know, is we're going town to town. Uh, you know, he'll get up in the morning, come sit, drink coffee with me. We'll go get breakfast together. And he's just a regular dude who absolutely, you know, the, the way, the, the way, uh, and I'll talk about Sam Bass again, the way Sam Bass loved racing, um, just that that childlike love of the sport is what I see in Phil X, just an absolute humble guy who his roots and his stories are just of, you know, humility. I mean, he's just a normal dude um, who is great as craft. You know, oh. I uh, came onto a David Starr podcast and I ended up talking about Phil X just as we go. <laughs> You never know where it's going to go. I mean, look, you know, we, we we don't know what to do with our hands. We don't know where this show is going. Right. I love it. No, no. Take it, take it back, Tyler. Take it back. Forget <laughs> racing. No, no, no. We'll, we'll stay on this. It, here's where I want to tie the two. I'm very curious about this, Chris. Uh, of your time in the music industry and, you know, in your time in the motorsports motor world as well, what are the similarities and, and differences between – the two industries and how they operate. You know, it's funny you say that because um, be prepared to bleep some stuff because oh, we're not bleeping I, anything. You you say whatever the hell you want. I told, when I went to the music industry, I was talking to a, a, a guitarist uh, uh, for for the band Saving Able, and uh, uh, you know, great rock band. I love their music. It's like a southern rock, and uh, I said, you know, Scott, racing and the music business are absolutely identical, except we're not as big a pussies in racing as you guys are in the rock world, you know? So it's, it, it is so identical, you know, the, the schedules, the, the town to town, the regiment, the planning, um, the, the support that's behind the scenes, you know, it's like, you look at the, the crew chiefs, the tire guy, the jack man, all these, ancillary jobs that people don't think about uh music business has the same thing from your your front of house guy doing the, mixing the sound to your your monitor engineer who's taking care of what the musicians hear to the the guitar tech who's making sure every guitar is in tune and i'll tell you this you know uh you know uh Yngwie Malmsteen's guitar tech 
bless his heart, greatest guy in the world. You know, he's got to keep 10 guitars in tune during the course of a of a concert while Ingve's throwing guitars through the air. And it's just amazing to see how these rock stars work like a NASCAR pit crew. Yeah. That's uh, so many moving parts and pieces, and so many people to make that the magic happen. And right, the the, the most of the fans are only ever going to see that final product that's on track or that's on stage. But I think you're just you, you've said it so well, because there's so many people and so many things that can make it go wrong, but make it so right at the same time. You, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it is absolutely a team effort. Um, you know, wh whether it's motorsports or whether it's the music industry. And, and I, I tell you, that's the appeal for me is because for, for 20 years, I spent trying to make race cars faster and a better product. And now the music industry has so many similarities, except uh, I can be more of a bum in the music industry and I got to dress nicer in the racing world. So it's like, uh, you know, pick your poison. Right. <laughs> well, and, and one thing I was thinking about, uh, Chris, and you know, I, I have you elaborate on this here is NASCAR has had such a connection with the music industry that I think totally gets forgotten about. I mean, you can't go to a NASCAR race without there being a pre race concert of some sorts. I mean, I, I was just thinking about this year alone, uh, of the races I've been to. You know, Darius Rucker was in Austin, Cole Swindell was at Talladega. Uh, Dirk Bentley was at Daytona. Uncle uh, Cracker of Vegas. Yeah. I mean, you know, just some, some pretty decent names, you know, here before the race happens. And uh, we've seen, you know, guys like Clint Boyer or great friends with, with Blake Shelton and stuff like that. I mean, uh, people may not realize just how, how much the connections that run deep between the music industry and, and NASCAR in particular. Yeah, I mean, that people don't take that into account. And again, I have to make reference to my late great friend, Sam Bass. Uh, you know, he was, he was a major factor in bringing the music industry and NASCAR together with, uh, with the guitars that he built for, for these different artists and for Nashville's uh, um, trophy. And it all started with a phone call. And, and I can't remember if I mentioned this story last time we spoke. No, but go ahead way, and say it again. Yeah. The way that it all began is one day the country music icon Brooks and Dunn called Sam Bass because they wanted Sam to build them a guitar to give to Dale Earnhardt for Christmas. That's where it all started. That's incredible. Yeah. And and the rest is uh, is history, as they say. Uh, now, what one of the things you know, now we go back, we go to Nashville in, in the Cup Series, and I was there last year, and they did a terrific job with that race, and and you know all the all the country music artists are out there. I mean, I, I, one night uh, I was out at a uh, at a birthday party for for Natalie Decker at uh at the Johnny Cash Museum, you know, and there, there's all sorts of stuff like this going on. And, and and just seeing the the connections between these two and and Nashville and NASCAR, I mean, it it, it just it just feels right to, to to an extent, Chris. Oh, I I totally agree. I mean I can't there's there's nothing that I can say to argue that except don't ask me about that guitar. 
<laughs> now, now you just opened the door. I want to know more about the guitar. And I was actually asking Chris before we came on air what he was going to play for us on the show tonight with that guitar, guys. Well, uh, well, that that's a good question. That's a good question. But I, I you know, I, I want to show you this one first. You know, since we've we've slid into uh, the Nashville NASCAR connection, I feel like I got to pull this one out of the case so okay. that we can we can talk about this guitar. Now, this is uh, says Gibson on the side, and uh, you know, you're a guitar guy. I mean, you know a little bit about Gibson guitars, right? I would say Haverlin, you're probably the, the Gibson. I was going to say, who are you talking to? Because I kept De Definitely Haverlin. Haverlin is a beast on that guitar. Don't let him fool you. Yeah. So this here. Oh, I don't know if you can wow. see this. Oh, my God. Look at that. Okay. This is a Gibson Les Paul that uh, you may recognize the, uh, you may recognize that car. That's uh, the, the late, great Dale Earnhardt. And so, you know, this particular guitar. Is that um, is that what we were just talking about? Is it that guitar? This is this was uh this was the guitar that, that we were that we were talking about. So so this became when Brooks and Dunn asked Sam Bass to build a guitar to give to Dale Earnhardt, this is what became of that. Now, this particular guitar went into production. Uh, out of the Gibson Custom Shop, and they made 333 of these guitars. And um, this one is the prototype that was owned by Sam Bass himself. And, um, you know, I actually hunted for this guitar. You know, after his passing, um, a, a, lot of, a lot of guitars were sold to satisfy estate bills and stuff like that, and this one slipped away. So now if if you have a uh, 001 to 333 um, serial, uh, serialized guitar, those are very rare and very valuable. This is the prototype guitar, the first one that ever came off of the, uh, the manufacturing plant. And, uh, you know, I have hunted for this thing and finally, finally got my hands on it, which I'm very excited about. So how'd you track it down? You know, you know, it was uh, it was pretty. Uh, um, it was kind of out of the blue. Uh, a, a friend of mine who he was uh, Carrie Underwood's guitar tech. Uh, he later has moved back with uh, Travis Tritt, and he called me because he found he found what he thought was one of these guitars in a Nashville boutique uh, guitar shop, and he didn't know anything about the serial numbers or what number it was, but I knew. I said, hey, those are very hard to find. I'm going to buy it no matter what. And when I called the guy, uh, he started rattling off some names that made sense to me. A couple guys in the Gibson Custom Shop that I knew had their hand in making this guitar. And uh, he also mentioned that uh, he spoke with Denise Bass, who, uh, who was Sam's wife. And everything that he said made sense. And when I laid eyes on this guitar and saw that it was the first one, the prototype, I knew that, I mean, I was going to buy it anyways, but uh, I knew that it was coming back home to the right place. So I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. And, you know, th this guitar to me is, is absolutely a, a priceless guitar. Um, you know, having the, the prototype Dale Earnhardt guitar, which look. Uh, Guys like Travis Tritt have a few of these, but they don't have the prototype, which is the very first one. So I'm pretty excited about that. 
That's so cool, man. That that guitar probably going to be in a museum someday. That I mean, that is one of the coolest guitars, if not the coolest John that I've ever seen in my life. And just just the detail on it too. Like you look on the back, and I, I know I, all of us have been to Texas Motor Speedway at one point. They have a really cool photo of Dale leaning up against his car. They're on the grid. I'm assuming it's before qualifying or practice. Probably hanging there in the middle of the media center. And that's what that photo reminds me of. Just Earnhardt leaning up against his car. Just the detail that went into that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a – Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a gorgeous guitar. That's I'm a big Les Paul guy. Um, I have owned a few Les Pauls over the years. I have one now. It's just a studio that I keep in my apartment. But, oh, my gosh, to have a Gibson Custom, I I wish I could uh, afford that. Uh that's a, that's a gorgeous piece there. I obviously we're on a podcast, and I don't know if there's any uh, folks who listen and are also into music and guitars. That it's a Gibson Custom Les Paul. It's silver, and it's got Dale Earnhardt's car on the front, and it's got the the humbuckers, and like the the knobs are silver, and it says the t the Intimidator across the fretboard. It's just it's two things I really like a lot: Gibson Les Pauls and uh, NASCAR lore. So yeah, right, uh, the, the, that bow tie, John, between the pickups. Such a nice yeah. little touch. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh, it's a it's gorgeous. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited to uh, you know it. This particular guitar has so much meaning, um, you know, because my connection with Sam and and uh, you know now now the music connection and this guitar gets even a little bit cooler. I know it was like you're, you're going all right. We're in cool overload. How does this get any cooler? The guitar strap, and you're gonna love this. Uh, John, the guitar strap, you know, everybody oh, knows no. <laughs> that when, when Dale Earnhardt drove, um, he used Simpson seatbelts. And so the guitar strap is an authentic Simpson seatbelt that uses uh, hood pins. It uses hood pins. I don't know if you can see this very well, but I'm going to hold it up. I'm going to hold it up to my phone uh, so you can see it. But it's a it's a Simpson seatbelt. It's held on like a with a hood pin, and so it's like, you know, when when Sam Bass designed this, it was like a little kid designing a guitar in a room full of adults uh, because it's the attention to detail. Something as little as that, only a race fan would know that, you know. The deep, the detail. Oh my gosh, I'm uh, I'm 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 definitely uh, nerding out on that guitar, man. I. Oh my gosh, I, I didn't know those things even existed. I know. Well, yeah. I'm curious there, Chris. Do you play it, or is it just one of those things you, you better not play it? You just leave it in the case. Like, how, how does one treat a guitar like that? What's the proper etiquette? Well, uh, you know, I'm sure museum people would say, "Hey, don't pull it out of the case. Keep it, uh, keep it as as mint as possible." I'm trying to figure out how to play right-handed guitar left-handed and make it sound good. Uh, because I really don't want to restring this thing left-handed. Uh, but I, um, you know, I, the the hot rods and the guitars that I like are stuff that are played, you know. And I, yeah. to, to me, something that's not played is, is useless to me, you know. So uh, I'm having a hard time not tuning this thing up and, and attempting to play it, you know. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm speechless, Tyler. What a heck of a guitar. So, Chris, uh, as uh, before we kind of move on and get to some headlines, some other things, I want to know uh, just your music career. Where 
where are things at and, and where can people find you and and, uh, and hear you next? Uh, you're, you're on the road a bit. Uh, we, we're going to be able to see you any shows anytime soon? Well, that's a damn good question you have there. And, and uh, you know, fortunately, I, I don't have all the answers yet. The The music industry has kept me so busy on with, with my client side that it forces my own project to become a, a little bit of a back burner. And so we're trying our damnedest to get my project finished up. Um, you know, I, I've got I've got some of my rock songs that are that are currently on YouTube under 89 Reasons, which was my rock band name, but I currently don't have any of my new stuff out yet. And it's just a matter of finding a gap in the schedules to make it make sense, you know, and, and that's my my ultimate push is to put myself on tour and uh, be able to properly answer those questions. You know, I mean, it, it it seems wrong not to be able to answer those questions properly. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully we see something soon. I think we will, Tyler. You can tell Chris I'm is hoping very so. passionate, very passionate about racing, very passionate about music. It's not a matter of it. It's a matter of when. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, Chris, uh, if if you if you want to, you're more than welcome to, to play anything for us, too, while we have it here, you know, uh, uh, whatever you got cooked up, you know. Well, I, you know, I, I don't really cook much stuff up. Um, and, and uh, you know, it, it's a little intimidating because, you know, John's guitar guy, and I'm sure he can run circles around me and, and now, you know, get, getting a little bit nervous. So it's like, you know, what, what song... If you what can sing song? well, you're already ahead of the game. Like, I, I can't sing. I can play. Dom will tell you how great I play. And, like, you know, I'm, I know what I'm doing, but I can't sing. So, yeah, you yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, I never said I could sing. You know, I, I just take a whack at it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, I typically don't care. Uh, you know, I just enjoy it. I mean, it, it's just a happy part of, uh, you know, I'm a fun strummer. And, uh, I'm a fun strummer and, you know, just, just enjoy having fun. Um, you know, I've been working on, I'm a, I'm going to totally butcher this, but I've been playing with some Beatles songs and, um, you know, if I can remember the lyrics, um, you know, I will, I'll give a Beatles song. There's a, a, a Beatles song called Blackbird. You familiar with that song? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's uh, I've been working on it because I like the vocal range, but now being a little nervous, I'm gonna butcher it. But uh, you know, uh, how's how's them words go? You know, it goes, uh, blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take your broken wings and learn to fly all your life. You remains for being strong and you rise above it all. You know, I already know that I've messed up all the words, but, you know, it, it's uh, it's one of those things that, you know, repeats like that. Black birds singing in the dead of night. Take your broken wings and learn to fly. So, you know, it, I just learned that song yesterday. Just, uh, you know, some trying to figure out how to play it, how to make the words all fit together. And uh, give me another week and I'll have it all figured out. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, 
Chris, uh, we'll have you stick around. Uh, we got a couple more things we want to do. Uh, we got our news and notes coming up next, as well as our Ask David segment, uh, where you can uh, submit questions to us and questions you have for uh, uh, Chris as well. But uh, right now, let's uh, start with the uh, the news and notes, the latest headlines in a NASCAR and the world of motorsports. Dom, where do we start this week? We're going to start this week with the manufacturer swap coming to you at a racetrack in 2024. Legacy Motor Club announced on Tuesday, May 2nd, the team will be swapping from Chevrolet to Toyota Racing Development. So Jimmy Johnson, co-owner of Legacy Motor Club with Mari Gallagher, the team has been building Chevrolets for quite some time, Richard Petty and the Richard Petty Motorsports banner. But the team will be fielding Toyotas in 2024, and that announcement comes, David Wilson acknowledging it as well, head of TRD, eight full-time Toyota Cup teams in 2024. And, and guys, I got to say, just personally, I think for me, Kind of something out of left field. I mean, we know they're not going to be the top Chevy team, and it has those reminiscent moves of when Gibbs swapped from Chevy to Toyota from 2007 to 2008, but more so the Jimmy Johnson factor, with Johnson winning all of his cup races in a Chevrolet. Yeah, that to me was the thing that stood out, was Jimmy Johnson not associated with Chevrolet anymore. Um, you know, we knew that Toyota was looking for a third team, and there was rumblings about Trackhouse being that team, uh, I think I said a while back, Tom, watch out for Legacy Motor Club, that they could be that team, the head of Toyota. I think I, I think I may have predicted that, actually, uh, a couple months ago. But uh, with that said, John, let's start out with you. What, what was your uh, immediate reaction to the news of uh, Legacy Motor Club switching to Toyota next year? Yes, yeah, so I got a text message this afternoon from a friend who who's a fan of racing. And he, he uh, mentioned Legacy switching to Toyota. And my first thought was kind of kind of what you just said, Tyler. I was thinking, wow, I definitely thought Trackhouse would be the one. Um, we had known that Toyota was looking to take one of the Chevy teams. I thought it would have been Trackhouse just because they're a newer team. Uh, the Jimmy Johnson factor, I don't really – yes, NASCAR-wise, he was always in a Chevrolet. Uh, but let's not forget, he was racing Hondas in IndyCar for two years also. So – there's that, um, and I, it also kind of makes me think of how uh, Kevin Harvick was in a, a Chevrolet for a majority of his Cup career up until I believe it was 2017. Dom, you would remember the year better than me. 2017, right. we switched over to Ford. So I just feel like uh, manufacturer alliances are never uh, permanent. But um, yeah, I I was caught a little off guard, but I also also kind of think. Eric Jones and Noah Gregson, they're both former Toyota drivers. Um, I think they would feel comfortable having uh, Toyota, that being Toyota would be comfortable having Eric Jones and Noah Gregson as their two full-time drivers from, from Legacy, you know, obviously going forward from this year on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what, what what's kind of your thoughts? Uh, big deal for Toyota to have uh, Richard Petty and Jimmy Johnson in the fold now. Yeah, I think that's huge for Toyota. I mean, uh, you know, getting getting names like that. I mean, you, you got to think about Richard Petty uh, during his racing career. You know, stayed pretty loyal to uh, to his manufacturer, with the exception of you know one year changing manufacturers to make a point. And uh, you know, we're just in a different world, and, and the the world is you go where the opportunity is, and uh, if if that means if that means uh, Jimmy Johnson and uh, Richard Petty going to Toyota, I mean, it's just business at that point. But yeah, 
it's a great it's a great um thing for toyota for sure well and, and dom i look at this you know it's a you know jimmy we know him he had an opportunity to have an ownership share in hendrick didn't go that route does this with legacy doing his own thing this even takes that a step further taking another step away from from hendrick going this toyota route doing his own thing compared to jeff gordon and company um but i also look at you know toyota has been a great partner for joe gibbs for 2311 for for legacy motor club here um i, I don't see uh toyota being content i think that with the money they have from from maury gallagher and and Toyota coming in, there's no reason why they shouldn't compete at a championship level. I think you're right. I like like I was mentioning before. I think this is this is my personal opinion. But with the Chevrolet camps, we knew Legacy Motor Club was not going to be the top Chevy team. That's going to be Hendrick, Richard Childress Racing, and then you have Trackhouse. You have the top three Chevrolet teams already. Legacy is going to always be in the shadow of those other teams if they would have stayed Chevrolet. So you have to make a new move. And Jimmy Johnson making that ownership call to go to Toyota. I'm curious too, guys. Do we see Jimmy Johnson race a Toyota in the Cup Series next year? Because he never said he's stepping away completely and never said one way or the other if this would be his final Daytona 500. I think there's that chance we see that number 84 in a Toyota next year, Jimmy Johnson behind the wheel. Sure. I would take it a step further. I would be shocked if Jimmy doesn't run the 84 in a Toyota next year, John. Yeah, I, I just – I'm just thinking about the number 43 Petty car having a Toyota emblem on the nose, and I'm thinking there's some there's some diehard old-school Petty fans that are probably going <laughs> to lose their mind when they see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and one more point I'll add. Uh, I know Toyota's been in the sport a while now, but – you know, David says this all the time, and and I think we reiterate, uh, Toyota's impact at NASCAR has been phenomenal, but not just that, but the American auto industry. They they spend just as much money and do just as much for the American auto industry and the workers as the other manufacturers do. Toyota is ingrained in the American culture and deserves to be here. And, and uh, I mean, Chris, I, I hope that, they uh that they benefit from this and that they're able to sell more cars. I hope that they reach a whole new demographic be able to do this deal with Jimmy and Richard here. I, I wish the best for Toyota here. I I think it's as much for you know a, a legacy move for Toyota. I mean, you know, you, you think about this, and, and you made a great point with Toyota has taken a lot of slack from the diehard American brands. But look, they, they've done their part. They, they've pumped a lot of money, not only into NASCAR, but into the U.S. economy, building Toyotas in the United States. And now they just scooped up the, the two seven-time uh, NASCAR Cup champions, you know, Richard Petty and uh, Jimmy Johnson with, with Legacy here. So I think it's a, a bold move and a, a good step for it, it's really a good step for everybody because you know the the other thing that you're right about is legacy is never going to be the the top Chevy team. I mean it's it's swallowed up by by everybody. Uh, they're not going to be the top Ford team because you know uh, Roush and the others are, are eating that up. So it's it's a good move. Yeah, I agree. It's a good fit. Dom, what else we got going on? Well, it's been the season of penalties in the Cup Series. What penalties will get upheld? Which will get overturned? We know that another penalty is actually going to be upheld. NASCAR announced on Tuesday that the 
upholding of the L1 penalties against Richard Childress Racing and Austin Dillon from their Martinsville car will stand. To recall that that penalty had to do with improper underwing assembly on their Martinsville car, and the appeal was held, was held on Tuesday, May 2nd, and the decision was made with Kirk Russell, Kevin Whitaker, and former NASCAR racer Lake Speed. The decision stands. 60 points between the championship and driver's owner's points lost, as well as a two-race suspension for crew chief Keith Rodden and a $75,000 fine. So, Tyler, Austin Dillon, it's like he missed a race with what happened in Martinsville. 60 points, like... Dom, you, you know this off the top of your head. How many points you can you earn in one race maximum? Outside like, of the Coach 600, you can earn 60 points one race. You can gain up to 59 points on a competitor. So it's like he missed a full race. Yeah. I mean, what did and, – and really, like, I mean, let's be honest here. That's for, – for most folks, that's the – you know, that, that's just above or right at the average of two races of points that you would earn. Um I mean, so would it have been better for Austin Dillon just to not show up at all? I mean, I, I think that these some of these penalties are just way too harsh. And, Chris, what we've seen with this next-gen car, NASCAR's been adamant. Do not mess with our car. Uh, it, it doesn't even seem to be about finding a competitive advantage. It seems like these teams are just trying to make these cars work. You know, I mean, it. it that's the frustrating part for me is that most of the time when we've seen these penalties that have been released these, this year, these teams aren't getting a significant advantage or difference from it. It seems like it's, you know, by pure hackums, hack, you know, uh, you know, circumstance, you know, th these things happen. It doesn't seem to be intentional. Yeah. I, I tell you, it's, it's not like there's a huge smoking gun uh, for, for what these guys are doing. Now I, I will say this. I mean, if anybody should be penalized, 60 points it should be me for my singing and guitar playing <laughs> uh, but that that's a whole different that's a whole different uh, conversation but but yeah I, I do agree i mean i i know nascar is really trying to keep the teams from modifying these cars i mean you know i came from an era where the the cars were so modified and it was it was the highest budget always was capable of modifying cars the most and so it put it put everybody else at a disadvantage who didn't have top tier money so i understand what nascar is trying to do which is keep hands off of modifying anything but you're right there's not they're not doing a whole lot yeah um john what do you think uh this penalty and some of the others here is nascar going too far no i i like seeing the stiff penalties what I don't really know how I feel about yet is the the whole appeals process. Having a rotation of people who I don't know what the selection process is like to have, you know, person A, B, and C on the panel. I don't know who controls that or how, how any of that works. But it feels like we've seen inconsistency in how it's been uh, and how things have transpired. Obviously, the big one that stands out to mind would be the colleague versus the Hendrick Louver situation. Um, but I'm in favor of having stiff penalties. Yeah. If the, if NASCAR says don't mess with the cars, then don't mess with the cars. And if you're willing to risk it, then, you know, pay the price. Don't do the time. If you don't do the, if you can't do the set of backwards, <laughs> don't do the crime. If you can't do the time, or in this case, the points. 
Okay, so so John's a cop. Um, that's that's what I took away from that. Uh, Dom, uh, what do you make of everything? Uh, do you do, do you agree with me that NASCAR is being harsh, or are you going to side with uh, with uh, Officer Haverlin here? I'll, I'll be David Starr since he's not here this week. I'll side somewhere in the middle, buddy. So I think yes, there should be some more consistency across the board. And 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 right, we we really didn't get last week's insight with Lynn St. James on on how that process goes. And I get they got to protect that and, and and the integrity of the appeals process. But it would be, I think, in everybody's best interest to have a little bit more of a, a clear idea of how these all play out. And maybe somewhere in the middle of the points. I mean, the money really doesn't matter. We're, we're talking multi-million dollar teams here and billionaire owners. So the money really isn't an issue. It's more of the points. There could be a happy medium somewhere where maybe you're, you're taking just one point, like how you are when you're disqualified. And then on top of that, maybe some sort of penalty, depending on how bad it is. But I get why those point systems are there to deter people from trying to do anything that NASCAR doesn't want them doing those bodies of the cars. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see where you're coming from there. Uh, also, uh, news and notes wise, uh, Dom, looking ahead to uh, this weekend's action uh, there at uh, uh, tell us about what's uh, what's going on uh, this week. Kansas Speedway hosting its 35th NASCAR Cup Series race. It opened in 2001 and since 2014 has been hosting two races a year. I'm sorry, 2011 has been hosting two races a year. And this weekend will be the first of that. The second will be in the NASCAR playoffs in September. For the 2023 Advent Health 400, some of your odds on favorites per covers.com include Kyle Larson at 5 to 1, William Byron at 6 to 1, Tyler Reddick, and this past week's winner, Martin Truex Jr both at 7.5 to 1. Denny Hamlin rounding out that top five of oddmakers at 8 to 1. Last Falls winner, Bubba Wallace, coming in at 18 to 1. And, of course, David Starr's favorite, Kevin Harvick, also 18 to 1 as well. So we'll pick Kevin Harvick for David, uh, as if he was here, as he always does every week. Uh, Kansas Speedway, my home track. Uh, I love that place. Been to that track way more than any other. Uh, we've seen some great racing there over the years. Uh, Chris, uh, what do you make of, uh, Kansas Speedway? What are you, uh, expecting this weekend? You know, I, I'm expecting that, uh, you know, I, I fell out of that race one year and, uh, you know, early in the race, it was a truck race and walked across the street, you know, they got the mall there, had me some dinner and finished watching the truck race. So, so I suspect good eating, uh, but you know, I, I'm a Harvard fan too. I mean, I, you know, that, that guy's definitely, uh, definitely a guy that can get around the mile and a half tracks. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's the old, uh, he's, he's the modern silver Fox, but I, I think he's still got things to prove. So, so that's who, who I would be going with. John, uh, what do you think of uh, this weekend's race here at uh, Kansas? What, what's your expectations? I'm thinking Tyler Raddick's going to win this weekend. Uh, 2311 won both races there last year, obviously. And I feel like Reddick has come out of the gate so strong. I, I think, uh, he's the guy to be just before anything has even happened for any of the cars that hit the track. I'm, I'm picking Reddick to pick up win number two on the season. Well, and you say he starts so strong, you know, the first couple weeks of the year, they were bad. And, uh, then they figured things out, you know, with that from Coda on, it's been pretty remarkable how yes. quickly they turned around from how rough Fair, things yes. started. But yeah, I, I, I like Tyler Reddick too. You you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Twenty three eleven uh, ha, has been strong. You know, the last few weeks they've done. A, they were great at Kansas last year. Kurt Busch is actually in the in the booth this weekend, uh, and 
He obviously called the uh, last race that uh, Tyler Reddick won as well. So I'm with you there. Uh, Tyler's in in, in uh, Kansas uh, usually go go well. So uh, I'll, I'll take Reddick too. Dom, uh, what do you think is going to happen here at, at Kansas? I think we're going to see some good racing. We'll probably see some long green flag runs. And like you, Tyler, I love going to Kansas Speedway. And I've never been to the spring race. It's always been the fall race. I will make it someday. And, man, when we do these pickums. I've actually gotten three right out of the first 11 races so far. I'm not good at picking these races. I've gotten really good this year, and I think that momentum continues. Joey Logano gets the win done at 22 to 1, will be your winner of the Advent Health 400. Time for our uh, Ask David segment. We ask you to submit questions to us and our guests each and every week. Uh, Facebook.com slash David Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and by email, David Star Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. And uh, this question is uh, for Chris. Uh, and uh, the question comes in from at Doorstop Nation. Hey, Chris, I heard you on Joe's Variety Hour on WDXD 101.9 FM. And you said <coughs> you challenged David Starr to a fist fight. Is that true? Well, first of all, I'm going to start by uh, I'm going to hold my guitar like this. So for all the, the people who are just starting to listen to this podcast they see me holding a guitar properly and they don't know that i hacked some stuff up earlier to answer your question yes i'm the greatest there ever was i called david star out to some sort of fight i don't know if it'll be uh, with with swords nunchucks gloves on gloves off mma style boxing i'm coming back to racing to want david star's ass <laughs> 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 do you remember at all what you said when you uh challenged david yeah i i know exactly what i said you know uh david would kick my ass and you know if if we're putting odds right it, we're, we're doing odds on wins and losses right and so if we did like an odds on fights you know we're talking about should ross chastain get his ass whooped okay um you know, if we're putting odds on who could whoop who, look, I'm telling you, David Starr comes out with the belt on the on the ass whipping department because that that dude, I, I believe he can throw down. Well, and uh, Dom, he, he's not here, so I, I can get away with saying this, but uh, he's told me that when he gets done racing, he's got some getting even to do with some folks. I hope Chris isn't on that list. Oh yeah, Chris, let's hope you're not on that to do list. <laughs> yeah well you know what i i would i would take my guitar and i would kyle bush him like like that's i would have to bring a guitar to a fight against david not this guitar because it's like my favorite guitar not that guitar but not some other guitar, guitar. <laughs> yeah i would have to listen the day that i honestly try to take david on um, I would have to bring a weapon to that fight, a baseball bat or guitar or something, something to swing. And, and, and even then, uh, my, my odds are probably not that good because, uh, you know, David can stick and move. Uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's a star in the ring. <laughs> That's good. John, uh, who would you rather fight, uh, me or Dominic, if, uh, if you had to choose one? I can't take both of you at the same time. Ooh, <laughs> uh, I spoke like a true gentleman. <laughs> what about you, Dom? Would you rather fight me or John? Bring both of you on, man. I, I did a little bit of police training a few years back. I'd love to use those, some of those moves on you guys. 
<laughs> I think you'd rather be uh, singing songs by the police. Yeah, I mean, that, that's cool, but I, I don't mind whooping your butt while I'm doing that, too. Oh, I got another question uh, in uh, the inbox. Uh, this one, uh, it comes from uh, Matthew. Matthew wants to know, Chris, who is your favorite artist of all time? Ooh, my favorite artist. Oh, man. Bob Ross. Oh, that type of artist. <laughs> oh, oh, are we talking about musician? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, so. Bob Ross is a good answer, but yes. Yeah, I was trying to throw you off with that. I just watched his <laughs> documentary today. Uh, you know, great story on the guy. So <clears throat> my favorite artist of all time. Um, well, well, I have to shift to my favorite song of all time. Uh, I'm a music lover, but my all-time favorite song is Call Me Owl by Paul Simon. Uh, but that oh, doesn't yes. necessarily mean that Paul Simon is my favorite artist. It just happens to be my favorite song. Don't ask me why. Uh, you know, there's an episode of The Office where uh, there's a suggestion by Andy to have Call Me Al as the song to walk down the aisle. And when I heard that, I'm like, you know what? That's actually a great idea. I think so. I mean, if you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long lost pal. I mean, who doesn't want to walk down the aisle to that? Nothing more romantic. Uh, John, how about you? Who, who's your favorite artist to listen to? Oh, gosh. I go through phases. Um, that's tough, yeah. I feel like it's a tough question for most people. I definitely go through phases of uh, different types of music, different different artists, whether it's whether it's bands or or, or rappers, whoever. Um, lately, I don't know. I, I've been on like a Tool kick the last couple of months. I've been listening to a lot of Tool. They they rock. I like they do a lot of offbeat uh, rhythm, and uh, they're, they're they're heavy, and I, I've grown to like their sound a lot so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say tool i think dom would uh, appreciate that answer i sure would. First, for me i i think you'll appreciate this like i, I look at it based on genre you know like yeah. if i'm listening to country music you know a couple names come to mind you know dustin lynch luke combs garth brooks um you know it would be my favorites there rock uh i love you know some acdc um you know, and then uh, I think others like, you know, if, if I'm listening to rap music, you know, NWA, uh, I throw back to the 90s there. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if attitude. I can. What? NASCAR with attitude. NASCAR with attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, I, I, I don't. It's apples and oranges. I, I can't put them all in the in the same on the same shelf. If that makes sense, Chris. Yeah, you, look, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I can go from – I grew up on the West Coast, so so West Coast rap is what I grew up on, and so I'm a huge fan of that. You know, I'm also a, a Garth Brooks guy, a Brooks and Dunn guy, a Travis Trent guy. I'm also a, a Tool, a Saliva, a any of that hard rock, you know, the Rob Zombie, the Power Man 5000 type stuff. Um, you know, I could go on and on and on about music all day and all night. You know, 
I, I also have to always shift back to my sentimental favorites because they're my buddies. I mean, we spend a lot of time together. My guys with saliva, you know, uh, you know, the, the click, click, boom, you know, with the, uh, their song was, uh, was on Talladega nights and who doesn't love Talladega nights, you know, I mean, come on. Oh, greatest movie ever made. <laughs> it's an all time classic. Uh, yes. Dom, how about you? What, what, what's, uh, what's your top artist you're listening to? Man, I, I, you know, right now I'd probably have to say it's more on the classic rock thing, but I got to thank my brother. He's the one that really kind of opened up my musical horizon. So like you guys, I can throw some country in, some rap, mostly a rock and metal guy, though. And playing in a band, we played a lot of classic rock, classic metal. And, and I've always said, too, if I get back to playing in a band full time someday, it would be so cool to play like in a Steve Miller tribute band or a police tribute band or the cars, or something to that effect. Something on that classic rock 70s, 80s spectrum. They got to have a lot of fun with that. But I, I do enjoy listening to a variety of music throughout from time to time. It's good to have a variety in that. Some people call me a space cowboy. <laughs> or, or the gangster of love. How about you, John? Do they call you Maurice? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, a lot of fun here on uh, Let's Go Racing this week. David will be back next week, so uh, don't miss out on that. John, uh, thanks for, for jumping in and uh, and filling the role of uh, David Starr this week. Uh, where can people find you and see uh, what you're up to? What, what, what do you got going on the next couple of days, John? Oh, man. Uh, people don't want to find me. I got nothing going on. <laughs> if you really want to find me, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's just my name, at John Haverlin, J-O-H-N-H-A-V-E-R-L-I-N. Uh, it's been It's been quiet on me. Uh, quiet for me on the racing side of things just the last couple of weeks it's been busy um i'm gonna be doing a little traveling myself the next couple of weekends i got two weddings to go to which are gonna be on two different sides of the country um so it's gonna be a while till i'm out of race again but uh yeah i'm gonna stay tuned to the racing stuff i'll be at the inaugural chicago street course race in uh early july and oh, i'll uh, be there too all right i'll see you there then bud yeah We'll uh we'll get turned in Chicago. I like it. Uh, what a Wrigley Field. I, I I was already planning about that, trying to get to a Cubs game while I'm out there too. So. Yeah, that's definitely the plan. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Uh, Dom, what's uh what's your week look like here? Yeah, it's going to be a nice, fun, relaxing week. Actually, shooting a wedding this weekend with with Felice. We're going to be honored to do that for a for a distant cousin here in Grants and and his bride to be. So we're really excited about that and be able to watch the race on Sunday, but spend some family time with family out in Grants. It's going to be a good time, man. It's a lot going on right now, but the next few weeks and the next few months are going to be a lot of fun. We can't wait to, to have you guys out here when we're back here in Grants full time. Chris, uh, as uh, we're wrapping up here, kind of going around the room, uh, what's uh, what's on your docket over the, uh, the next few days and where can uh, people keep up with all you're doing, man? Well, the next few days, uh, I guess I talked a little too much shit about david so i guess i'm gonna start learning how to fight um <laughs> but uh, uh, overall i've got some tours coming up you know we're, we're prepping for uh we got you know buses going out on tours so i'm getting the uh, buses ready for that working on music and uh working on my hot rods i love my hot rods so you know everybody can find me at the regular you know social medias you know the facebook's the instagrams chris lafferty chris lafferty music and uh um LaffertyMotorsports.net. Chris, uh, I, I was thinking about this. You know, I, I just got back 
back from Talladega a couple weeks ago. Do you ever bring your 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 tour buses or your your buses out to a racetrack and use it like a motorhome or something? You, you know, ironically, being as connected to racing as I was, um, I I don't ever. I don't hardly ever take my buses to uh, to NASCAR events. You know, it's something that that we've been looking at. Uh, but uh, somehow, some way, shape, or form, it just happened to be that uh, uh, we fell into the music side of the tour bus stuff, and my buses stay pretty busy uh, on that front. You know, we uh, maybe we can figure something out. We we need to get like a a bus going on the boulevard in Talladega or something, Chris. Listen, I'm not mad at that. In, in fact, and, and, and uh, John, you're going to love this one too. You know, I've w one of my latest buses I bought from uh, the uh, the Gibson Guitar Company, and so the insides is all Gibson uh, headstocks and guitars and stuff of that nature. And I feel like I feel like you know we could all hang out, pick up guitars, maybe have a few adult beverages, and have a good old time on the boulevard. Chris, if you bring it to Talladega in the fall, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll supply the beverages too, because uh, I'm just that nice of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that that sounds like a plan to me. All right, let's do it, Chris. Uh, we gotta go. Uh, we gotta put the checkered flag out in this episode. Of let's go racing with David Starr. David, be back next week. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Uh, hit us up on our social media, Twitter, at Star Podcast, Facebook.com uh, slash Star Podcast, and uh, by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. For Dominic Odogun, uh, John Haverlin, and Chris Lafferty, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.